0: Welcome to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. Before I introduce our, today's podcast, I wanted to thank our listeners for writing reviews on Apple. That's how more people get to know our podcast, and we appreciate that. We have about um, 237 people that have rated our podcast on Apple Thank You, and we got a review dated um, September 25th, and I'll just read that review as a thank you for our guest this is important to you, then this is a fabulous podcast that will help you learn to open your heart to everyone in your neighborhood, congregation, and family. As you listen to the stories of faithful people trying to stay spiritually connected and mentally healthy, you will be moved to love people right where they are and and to comfort them. This podcast has changed my heart. And the real heroes of this podcast are not me. <laughs> the guy that moderates the podcast, it's the guests. And that's a good transition into our guests. I wanted to introduce um, our guests. They're a couple in a same-sex marriage, my friends Carson Phippen and Sean McIntosh. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to have you move your mic up just a little bit further. Um, And I thought we'd just start with prayer before I introduce this podcast. Usually we do those prayers before we record, but I just felt impressed that you could... um, Join with us in prayer as Sean offers a prayer before we start.
1: Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this chance we have to gather together and, and record this podcast. Uh, we would ask that thou might be able to have thine spirit with us and that we'll be able to to speak um, to the things that the listeners may be able to benefit from and be able to, to help those um, come closer to thee. And join families closer together. Please bless us um, as we do so that we may be guided by Thee. And we're so thankful for all the things that Thou does for us and for our, our our lives and our families. And we love Thee and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks, Sean, for offering that prayer. Let me just introduce this couple. Um, they got married. that We're recording this podcast in September. Um, Carson, tell us your wedding date. It was August 10th. And where were you married?
2: We got married in Big Cottonwood Canyon.
0: Okay, so we're going to talk about this couple. And um, Carson is 26. He's an Olympus High School graduate, which is close to where we're recording. He's a return missionary from the Philippines. He's a twin. He's a fraternal twin. He um, He's graduated from the University of Utah, and he's working towards a career as a medical doctor. And so that's awesome. We need you to do those things to help our society. Maybe you'll operate or help my kids or grandkids one day, Carson. <laughs> yeah. And Sean's been on the podcast before. Sean joined us with his parents on episode 173, the McIntosh family. And Sean is 31. He works in insurance. He a, has a master's degree from social work at the University of Hawaii and will continue going down that road. His parents recently wrote a book, and I believe did you do one of the chapters of the epilogue or the prologue? I did the prologue. Mm-hmm. And tell our listeners the name of that book. Uh, it's called Love Boldly. And I love that book. It's available at Desert Book, Seagull, Amazon, and part. And the rest of the title is Embracing Your LGBTQ Loved Ones and Your Faith. And just as a disclaimer, some would say, "Well, as a faithful, eldest man like I am, why would I do a podcast with two people living outside?" the Doctrine of our church, and that's a fair question. And the answer to that question is I support the doctrine of our church and sustain and support our leaders, but I want to have a conversation with people that step away, and so we can keep them in the family, we keep them in our communities, and we can create a bridge of understanding and support. Um, these two men know the doctrine of our church, <laughs> and um. And they've also felt that their path is to find a relationship with each other and support each other and find their way in life. So I wouldn't invite them down this road, but if they're going to choose this road, then I'm going to show my support as they make their way forward. And so that's the reason we're doing this podcast. And lots of parents are wondering how to navigate this space as they have LGBTQ kids, and some do step away from our faith. And I'm hoping this podcast will be helpful to you and you'll feel the prayer that Sean offered to just bring more understanding. And that also our LGBTQ members who feel impressed to step away, that they will hear this story and make more thoughtful decisions in that journey. That's kind of a complicated road to potentially step away and make good decisions. And these two have made really good decisions as far as finding a partner and moving forward in their life. And part of this story is also their family is that introduction okay? Yep.
1: Excellent. That was great. Great.
0: So um, we had Sean introduce his story a little bit on page episode, on episode 173. So Carson's sharing his story for the first time. Will you tell us where you grew up, what you were interested in high school, and your decision to serve a mission?
2: Yes. Um, so I grew up in Holiday, Utah, which is pretty close to where we are right now. I, my interest growing up, I did a lot of normal things played sports. I grew up with four brothers. So we were always going, trying out every different sport growing up. Um, and at a pretty young age, I was interested in medicine. Uh, I became a medical assistant in high school. So, and I was always very focused on school. Um, I really liked that. And, and then growing up, um, I just felt very impressed that I needed to go on a mission. And that was, I was so fortunate to grow up in a family with the gospel and a close family that I wanted to share that with other people. So I went on a mission to the Philippines.
0: Which, where did you go in the Philippines?
2: It's the Alangapo mission.
0: And what years did you serve, Carson?
2: I served from 2012 to 2014.
0: And tell our listeners where your twin brother served. He
2: also served in the Philippines. He served in the Kauai mission.
0: And did you ever see each other or did you fly home together? We
2: did. At the end of our mission, we met up in Manila, which is where the main airport is located. We hung out for a little bit, and then we flew home together.
0: And I'm kind of a hurricane buff, Carson. Tell me about hurricanes in the Philippines while you were there. Oh my
2: gosh. So I served a mission, and during that mission, we had one of the biggest um, hurricanes that hit the Philippines. And I have some friends who served in the mission that was hit the hardest by the hurricane and they have some amazing stories.
0: So you were there during that because that was the worst hurricane. I remember tracking that and the missionaries were out of communication in a mission for quite a while. And one of them was Elder Johnson that lived in our stake. Yeah. That may have been an Olympus young man.
2: Yep. I went to high school with Elder Johnson and there is a sister, uh, Henshaw that I went to high school with and she has a really amazing story.
0: Did Um, some of those missionaries come to your mission or were you impacted by the hurricane directly?
2: Yeah, so we were impacted by the hurricane, but it's it was just normal flooding. Um, just normal flooding. Well, yeah, in the Philippines, it's always like 12-foot <laughs> floods during the season. So, But yes, we got some of the missionaries that were taken up to Manila, the Manila mission. And then from there, they were dispersed to some of the neighboring missions to help take, you know, so that they can could continue on.
0: I remember praying for that Elder Johnson because he's from our stake, and I love his parents. And I remember being in the Detroit airport when I got a text in the men's room that he was safe okay. and that he had been found. I'll never forget that. And that same day I got a text that my um, my um, nephew died suddenly, and it was just one of those days where— I, You got both sides of the sword, the really good side and the really tough side. And I will never forget that day in the Detroit airport as both of those news rolled forward. Uh, Talk about you. Tell us what label you take on in the LGBTQ spectrum. Um, Or maybe you don't. You don't need to take on a label.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't know (laughs) what we do.
0: And that's fine. Yeah. I assume you're somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum.
2: Yes. He's married um, to a guy. So. Yeah, I'm married. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not there, just a baby. straight
0: person that's confused.
2: <laughs> no, Concret- correct. <laughs> um, yes, I would identify as gay. And um, I, I married Sean. And
0: uh. so when we heard Sean's story, he was, you know, um, became aware of his sexual orientation in his teenagers. I can't remember the kind of. Well, you came out after your mission to your parents though, didn't you?
1: So I actually knew, or I had signs, um, that I was gay since I was a child. Um, just kind of how you'd have crush crushes on someone at school. I I would have crushes. Um, but I didn't know what that meant at that time. And it wasn't until after my mission where it really hit me that this was something that was real. And, and despite lots of years of trying to have it go away or pretending it didn't exist, did exist.
0: And so as I hear all these stories, there's not one right way to do this. So some, you know, we did a podcast with a mission president who's returned from his mission faithful in the church. And, you know, he finally came out in around 50 to his wife. So everybody's got their own journey and their own story. What kind of talk to us about how you became aware that you weren't straight Carson,
2: so, yeah, unlike Sean, I feel like I came to terms with this later in life after my mission. Um, and I don't know if that's because growing up, I was just so focused on other things or if it was repressed. Um, but after coming home from a mission, I actually dated a girl and we got really serious. She had returned from a mission, too. And we had brought up the idea of marriage and um, we would both prayed about it. And for some reason, I just couldn't. Um, I just felt like it wasn't right for me, and it wasn't the right path um and so that's when I decided that maybe I wanted to open up and to dating guys and I had dated around and I found Sean, and it was just surprising how how much that coincided with the the values that I was taught to. Um, look after growing up.
0: And any thoughts? I, I, I'm not I'm not clinically trained, but my impression is not to sort of ask you a bunch of questions on why it took you and why you didn't come out in high school. It doesn't seem like it's productive to go back and sort of try to figure that out. I'm I like your answer. You're just really busy. Yeah. You didn't need to really address this. You know, it didn't really change your course direction. If you were straight or gay in high school, you went on a mission and then it seems like a lot of people come to terms with this more when they start dating Yeah, and, and try to make a marriage in your case with a woman work and feeling that that's not quite in this situation. Right. Is that a fair, is that okay? What I just said?
2: Yeah, correct. Um, I had dated girls growing up in high school and I had lots of friends who were girls and I got really close with them. But just emotionally, it didn't really match up for me. Um, I remember knowing that I wanted to date someone who was really passionate um, and had lots of values that I wanted to share to my kids. And just when I was in relationships with women, I just never felt complete or whole. And then I dated Sean and everything I ever wanted was there. So it just kind of made sense to me.
0: Some report going through a really emotionally dark time as they're reconciling their sexual orientation. Any things you want to share about that with our listeners?
2: Yeah. So at first, when I was coming to terms with my sexuality, um, as probably most youth do, I, I almost felt like I had to choose between the life I knew growing up and my new sexual identity. Um, so at first I almost felt like I had to choose between the two and that was a really dark time in my life. Um, because you kind of, all the support I had growing up, I felt like I could no longer use. I didn't really talk to my family or my friends who grew up LDS. I just felt like they didn't understand. So my whole support system was really gone at that point. Um, and I also came back from my mission and I was sick. So I was kind of on my own when I got back very much. So, and so a lot of depression came in, um, very confused about what my future would hold for me. If I would even get better, if, you know, I would ever be happy. And I finally came through to the realization, um, with the help of a therapist that I didn't need to abandon my values growing up and that a future could have both parts of both worlds and that I could have these values and date a man.
0: Talk about those values and maybe Sean, you want to, cause some might say, well, you've lost all your values. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know that you've walked, you're in a same sex relationship. So you've turned your back on all your values. Do you want to talk about values? Yeah. And both of you could answer this question that are still fundamental to you and so important to your future.
1: Yeah, I mean, we both want a family, we both want to raise kids. And whether that was because we were raised LDS, who knows, but it's just so drilled into our systems. And that's something that we certainly, we want, we want a family, we want children, we, we want the the home and the messes and all the same things that a straight person wants. Um, we also want to live our lives, living honest lives and and not taking things that aren't ours or or in teaching our kids these same types of values that you you respect others, that everyone's equal um, and not looking down upon other people. And I think because we come from where we have, I, I honestly think' we're, we might be better at that actually because yeah. we understand what it's like to to be looked down upon. And so we, that's the last thing we want from anyone. Um, and so we teaching our kids that teaching, each, making sure each other is doing that and, and just treating people the best way that we can. I feel like we have very similar morals in that regard. And, and it, it certainly helped us become closer, having similar things that we're wanting in, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I would say
2: one of the things that attracted me to Sean was His ability to be so happy and so lighthearted and be humble. We both served um, missions in kind of harder areas. I forgot where you served, Detroit. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so, and he also um, went to college in Hawaii. And so there you kind of have to be thrifty and he very much lived off the island. So I just really love that humbleness about him and his spirituality. The fact that he can do hard things and live in hard circumstances, but have such a connection with God and have such a stable foundation, I thought that was perfect for a family. You know, if anything were to come our way, I kind of knew that we would be able to support each other and come out of it the best that we could.
0: Even though you're not able to obviously fully participate in the church, you can come to church. Um, I think you'd offered a prayer to nephew's baptism. Mm-hmm. What are some of the values or teachings or principles that are fundamental to you that still are part of your foundation?
1: So, I mean, I still have a relationship with my Heavenly Father, like most definitely. And that's that's something that that hasn't changed um, since coming out whatsoever. If anything, it's it's been strengthened um, because I almost felt like my world was created crumbling apart, but that part wasn't. And so that's something that I could still hold on to was my communication. And, and so I had to kind of separate the two, I feel like. Um, but for me, that's something that never, never left and it, it doesn't leave. And I hope people know that.
2: Mm -hmm. And I would honestly say most all, if not every value in the church of Jesus Christ, um, would continue on in my life. You know, faith and hope is something that brings me happiness and helps me look forward to my future. Um, repentance, the fact that people can change and become eternally better. And that's what I hope to do. And, you know, our marriage is, um, to become the best people we can and help our kids go
1: through that same process. Um, charity, love. I mean, all the virtues are still modesty. It's it's um, still the same thing of just helping people and loving and supporting.
0: Yeah. I love that you keep a relationship with God. I've thought a lot about God's relationship with people in my life that have stepped away from the church or in other churches or, or not in any organized church. And I've, I really believe, and I believe it's our doctrine that God loves all of his children and that he wants to be involved in it their lives and nothing can sort of take us outside of God's love for us or ability to want to communicate with us. And so I love that you've maintained your relationship with God. And I think that's an important thing to teach everybody and did people tell you, you couldn't do that or did you assume you couldn't do that if you, you know, chose a path outside the teachings of our church or did you just have spiritual maturity from your missions or just who you are to be able to realize well that doesn't need to change.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's just something that I knew couldn't be taken away that that part. Um people de- definitely did tell me, well you can't do this and you can't do that, but that that wasn't something that I ever questioned.
0: Good. Any thoughts on that Carson? Um I feel
1: like if anything
2: God helped me through my journey. Um I knew that I got conflicting ideas growing up from both sides, you know, from the LDS side saying that you couldn't be gay. And also from the gay side, I feel like there's a lot of pressure and resentment, um, towards other gay people who choose to be spiritually active or remain close to the church. But I, I felt like, you know, before I started dating Sean or I got married to Sean, I prayed, um, a lot to God. And I asked him if this would be okay. And if I would be happy and, um, he kind of, assured me in my prayers that everything was going to be okay. And that this path was good for me. And so it, it became easier to kind of, um, share that with my parents. And so that's why I felt like
1: they, and all my friends took it so well. And that, I don't know. I, sometimes when I, I get nervous telling people that, cause I feel like your a lot of your listeners might think that's almost sacrilegious to, to, to think that way, but it's, I don't know. I just feel like that's what happened. Like I've had answers to my prayers guiding me along this journey with Carson and people will say, well, that's not possible, but all I can tell you is that's what happened. And so, yeah, we have been guided, I feel like, and he he has answered my prayers in regards to our relationships. And I feel like just because we're in a same sex relationship hasn't changed that. Uh,
0: that's a really thoughtful answer. And I just recognize it's complicated, and I tweeted out the other day that I received personal revelation for me and as a father for our family and for my wife. And then I tweeted, the rest of the tweet was, I recognize people receive personal revelation for them and their lives, and it's not my judge job to judge their personal revelation. And I've thought about that. A lot of that's doctrinally accurate, um, and I felt pretty at peace that that probably is okay. Now, that if your personal revelation takes away my rights, or um, ISIS personal revelation that wants to bomb my house, I'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with that, but Mm -hmm. you two um, staying close with God and deciding what path is right for you. I'm not going to pass judgment on that. I'm not going to say, well, Satan has deceived you or you're confused or this is a sign of the last days. I'm just going to leave that at the savior's feet. And I'm not, it's, I look doctrinally and I look at the scriptures and I, I look at Christ's example and it's not my job to judge you and it's not my job to sort of validate or invalidate your marriage. It's my job just to, as a fellow human being to support you as you're going forward in your life. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Yes. Um, But I do honor um, the personal revelation you got. It does conflict with the teachings of the church that I invite everybody to follow. So I recognize there's dissonance there, but even that dissonance, I just leave at the Savior's feet. I love the way you just put it up. This is how can I not defend this? I don't need to go to scriptures to defend how I feel. This is how I feel and, and the revelation I'm receiving. So how can I not just say, okay, I'm at peace with that? Um, to- I had a question that came to mind, and it's gone. I should write those down. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Talk about, um, Carson, um, coming out to your family and what, well, no, I want to ask a question before that. How did one of the questions I get a lot in that I'm in a Facebook group of LDS parents of LGBTQ kids and, and if their kids start dating same sex relationships, they're really nervous about that. Part of it's leaving the doctrine of our church, but then it's pragmatically, they want their kids to be safe. Um, So there's a very, there's a couple thoughts in their brain. Um, And I sense as you went down this road, you tried to both do things to be really safe and make sure you were, what advice, just tell us about that. Maybe the best thing to answer that question is just tell us your own journey, how you found each other.
1: Yeah. So we found
0: it. And what sort of rules you made in your mind ahead of time? We
1: found each other through a a dating app. um, And that's how we met. And, I guess I didn't necessarily make out rules, but I knew what I was looking for. And what I was looking for was someone to date in relationship and eventually, I mean, marriage was is always was my goal of dating. Um, and so that's what we were that's what I was looking for when I found Carson. So with that in mind, I feel like we were very conscious of taking things slow, um, really getting to know each other, seeing that we saw things eye to eye or, or being able to communicate when we didn't.
0: Um, and just. How long did you communicate online before you met each other? Probably a month. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. We had talked quite a bit, um, before we first, uh, met. And then even when we had met, it, it, we took things very slow. Um, part of it was Carson was not out of the closet um, and so that's a whole nother dynamic when you are d- out of the closet, when you're dating someone who isn't, um, cause it almost puts you in the closet a little bit, but that was something that we, um, dealt with and yeah, I, I just think we just were on the same page of what we were looking for, I guess.
0: What were some of the things you didn't want, you know, just said, I'm not going to do that. or I'm not going to do that. What were just, I mean, did you feel like going to clubs and meeting people at clubs?
1: When, before I met Carson. Yeah. Um So, th- I mean, I don't think that's the best place, but that's the hard thing about the gay community is we don't have the opportunities to, to date like straight people do. We can't go to Sizzler and say, Oh, that guy's cute. Let's yeah, like ask his number of friends. We, we can't do those types yeah. of things. And so we have to date and, kind of underground ways In which which can cause problems um so i understand these parents concerns but i think a lot of parents would rather tell their kid not to date which isn't going to happen or two they are so scared that their kid is going to get into these these problems and issues that they would rather just not talk about it with him. And I personally, like I said, I don't know all the answers, but I think personally just talking to your kids about about things is the best way, whether that be um, safe sex or whether that be um, just making sure you're taking things slow and not and not rushing things and that you're meeting someone who is genuine and who is a good person and who you're just able to talk to and feel safe around. Um, maybe meeting in a group setting in public places, things, things like that, so that you can really get to know someone um, are good ideas. But I I always would condone talking to your kids about these things rather than than just being nervous as a parent, because your kid is probably just as scared too. um, and, And they would love to know that you're are worried about them and, and want to support them and in, in trying to find healthy relationships.
0: Did you talk to your parents as you were dating? I don't know how many men you dated before you met Carson. Did you talk to your parents about who you were dating or?
1: Um, yes, I did. So, so we would, we would talk about things. Um, and, and that definitely made me feel more safe and secure because oftentimes I feel like when parents react poorly to their child coming out, it's almost and this isn't what's actually happening, but to that child that feels like everything they knew is now gone, every support system and, and thing is gone. And so they're, they're oftentimes thrown into trying to find new support systems. And when that happens, they're not taking things slowly. They're not thinking rationally. They're trying to cling on to anything that they can, any piece of love, whether it's real love or not. And so that's when I feel like gay uh, youth or, or young adults are put into, to dangerous situations because they're trying to cling on to relationships rather than having the c- current relationships they already did and then building upon
0: those. Sorry, very thoughtful. Carson, you could answer that question or just tell us your own story of, you know, dating Sean and then coming out to your parents.
2: Yeah. Um, I feel like my experience was different just because when I went on those uh, gay dating apps, I used a fake name because I was scared that uh, if anyone saw my real name, they would talk to their parents and their parents would be friends with my parents or in the church with my parents. And so everyone in my community would know. So on oddly enough, on the dating app, I specifically put that I didn't want to date anyone, that I just wanted to be friends and kind of find people. So when I talked with Sean, it wasn't this perspective that I wanted to date him it was just I just wanted some like-minded
1: friends which I thought that's what we were too at first I thought we were just going to be friends which was great and then and so we bonded over just like
2: normal things like camping hiking just thrifty shopping like we'd always go to Dollar Tree or (laughs) just hanging out and I'd go hang out at his house and then go up to school and stuff like that but um, I was just at it from a different point of view since I wasn't open with myself um, and wasn't looking to actively date. So
0: when did you come out to your parents?
2: Not until I had been dating Sean for about a year and a half and things started to get serious and I kind of went through that revelation that I could, I was okay dating Sean and keeping my values and that this is something I kind of wanted for, you know, long term. And so when things got serious between Sean and I and I kind of knew that I would want to raise a family with him eventually and we looked at the possibility of getting married, that's when I thought, OK, I need to stop lying to my parents and my friends and family and I kind of need to be open with them. So I sent them an email informing them that I was still hard work at school. I'm the same Carson that they knew growing up and love and I'm very happy and that I just happened to be dating a guy and it wasn't a big deal and it wasn't scary. It wasn't something they needed to fear. It was just something I wanted them to um, understand so that we could open our relationship
1: even more. The kind of funny thing with that email is he also included the link to my um, my video from Mormon and gay.org. Yeah. So they didn't know who I was or who he was dating. But they, he thought this would be a good video to help okay. them. But it's funny that that's I the actual. I think that's person. great. I never <laughs> thought
0: how that video would come into play. Yeah. So walk our listeners. What happened next?
2: Um. So I, Sean has helped many um, youth come out of the closet, and so I've heard stories. So I feel like mentally I kind of prepared myself for the worst. Um, during that point in time, I got a job and I was full-time in school so that I could support myself financially in case the worst happened. And also with friends, I kind of made my own set of friends new apart from my childhood friends growing up. So I was prepared for the worst. Um, so, and I also figured out that for me, the best way to tell my parents was in an email so that they could kind of spend that time alone to pray and, seek counsel before they had an emotional reaction. So I sent an email um, while they were up at our cabin. And then about a couple days later, both my parents texted me and said, this is very
1: new to us. We need some time to digest. And so... I think your mom, their first reaction was she texted you that she loved you. And then your dad said, Hey, I need, I need some time. Yeah. And it was about a week later. Yeah. So my dad was very
2: quiet for a week just cause he was digesting it and stuff like that. But, and then after about a week, I kind of texted my parents and said, Hey, you know, this is something that's not going away. It's not something that can be ignored. And I really want to be open and share this huge part of my life with you. So we need to have a talk about this. And so we sat down, we set a date went to dinner, came home, and we sat down for probably about three hours and had this huge conversation, you know, about you, what this can, meant.
0: You and your parents? Yes,
2: me and both my parents. Um, just, um, and I decided to tell them what I had been up to for the past year and a half, and they had lots of questions and stuff like that, so.
0: Tell us about that conversation. Was it helpful? Was it what you hoped for? Was it painful? Was it, how did you feel leaving
1: And about their stages, I think that's important, kind of the stages they went through.
2: Yeah. Um, So I feel like I'm very fortunate that my parents went through all of these stages within the span of three hours. Um, So first we sat down and I guess every parent kind of reflects back on themselves and almost feels accountable for your choices. So at first they felt, you know, are you gay because of anything we did? You know, is this our parenting style? Is there something we could have done better? Um,
0: I'm glad they thought that out loud because that would help deal with that. Yes. And so we
2: had a very, you know, in-depth conversation and my mom cried and um, I wasn't going to say, you know, it's because this one time you grounded me when you shouldn't have. Oh, you could, <laughs> That's yeah. why I'm gay. <laughs> no. I I told them that I was hardworking, you know, I graduated in school, Um, my older brother's also in medical school, and um, we're all very hardworking because of the way that we were brought up. And I said, this, you know, this is something that I was born with. This is not something that you could have changed or fixed. So after that, they kind of accepted that, you know, this was um, my choice and they didn't have an impact on that. And then they kind of went the church route that was they opened up to me that, you know, as youth. We all struggle with um, things growing up and they my father in particular felt that this was something that was a temptation to me and that I just needed not to act on, you know, something similar probably to the word of wisdom. Um, And so I thankfully had prayed about this and, you know, thought about it from their perspective. And I basically told them that, you know, this isn't something that is just sexual to me. I said, I have dated lots of people and I almost got um, married to a girl and I, and I've never had the emotional connection I have had with Sean. And I said, he makes me happy and I can see myself raising a family with him and he has all the values that I would ever want you know, and another partner to raise children, a return missionary, very hardworking, very level-headed, spiritual giant. um, And so they were very impressed that I kind of had prayed and done my research as well. And so they kind of accepted that. And then the next stage was, okay, well, if you're going to make this decision, you know, you kind of have to live with these consequences of not being married in the temple, not being able to have biological children and everything that entails to on the other side. And I had prayed about that also. And um, thankfully, I had the exposure from Sean's family, you know, about the biological children that there are Mormon couples who go through the temple who are married that have fertility issues. And so they can't have biological children the same way that other couples And it's just another trial that we have to face and whether adoption or surrogacy that Sean and I could overcome that and have the family that we wanted and, you know, raise them the best that we could. And I basically told them that if anything, we needed more faith in Jesus Christ and that, you know, it may not be clear to us on in this life right now, but that in the millennium, You know, if it needed to get fixed, it will. But my goal for right now was to be open with my family, to have their love and support in my life. And so that was the point of this conversation was not for either of us to convince the other that they were right or wrong, but just to have an understanding so that we could kind of move on and be the family that we were growing up.
0: Uh, That's a great conversation. Um, Thanks for sharing. Those are sacred conversations. I would say that's a great family moment as you just talked about real issues. Um, give it, what have your parents done best? If, you know, I'm sure there's times where you wish your parents have done better. We all wish that in our parents, but just what have your parents done that's been great, that you're really thankful as, as an example for other parents to hear from your perspective what they've done that's been really helpful?
2: Um, honestly, so much. They have impressed me. Um, just the way that they handled things. Um, immediately after that conversation, one of the things I loved is their standards of me dating never changed, whether it was a male or a female immediately after that conversation that they kind of accepted this, they said, you know, what's the guy you've, what you've been dating, what's his name, what's his job? Is he good enough for you? Does he have, you know, these good standards? Um, And even continuing on through that, through our marriage, you know, they've kind of given us help, given us advice, and they've just been really active and wanting to stay close. I think they realized that, you know, this isn't their decision to make, but that the best way they could have a positive impact was staying close with me and contributing to our life and us being happy. That's
0: great. Sean, any thoughts on your parents or Caden's parents? So it was just um,
1: like a week after he had this conversation with them that they text him and said, Hey, we would like to come over um, and have dinner with you guys. And that just blew my mind that within a week they, they were already ready to meet me and, and things like that. So the fact that they, they were able to do that very quickly is a true Testament to, to how amazing his parents are. They're very Christ like and loving. And I, they're just so outpouring to anyone. And I really appreciate that about, about them. And I hadn't even met them at that point. Um, but they truly are just such kind people. A few months after that, I was invited to their family reunion in California. Wow! Um, and, and so they've just been so welcoming um, to me. So I, I know that's not the experience of a lot of LDS LGBT families. And so I'm just very grateful for that.
0: If any of your parents are listening, you know, great job. Um, There's no (laughs) owner's manual. You haven't been to any elders corner, or Society lesson. But maybe you have, because I think they're just following the doctrine of our church Um, and the principles that we teach about the importance of families. Families are the core and keeping the family together, um, keeping you two in the circle of the family and supporting your family you're trying to start it does seem like our doctrine. It's a different type of family. It's not a traditional LDS family, but I think it's still a family we want to be successful. And I think one of the things you're teaching is as as your parents are staying involved in your life, then you're staying involved in their life, and you're all working together to make good decisions and improve your marriage and improve the family. Um, Talk about, how long was it? I'll ask Carson this question. How long was this until this three hour conversation until they knew you were marrying Sean? So that was probably a little over a a year, a year after. So, and talk about the wedding The Um, let's have Carson talk. How did your parents manage, navigate that? Did they come? Did they support one hundred percent. It was in their backyard? Yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> they, the reception. Yeah. So a really cute story is um, when Sean decided to ask for my hand in marriage, um, he actually asked my parents first. Wow. So he surprised me, snuck away before we are leaving on this big trip to Europe um, and actually talked to my parents. Everyone was crying. He said, I love your son so much and he means the world to me. And I want to ask for your permission to marry Him, and they have known Sean and know know how such a great person he is. um, That they said yes, and so they knew before I did that Sean was going to ask me for my hand in marriage. And then after that, they had been nothing but supportive. Um, I remember my mom calling me on the phone, and we had been talking about someone who was going through a divorce and how sad that was, and sad that was for their family. And I remember her. You know, getting very serious with me. And she said, you know, if you're going to marry Sean, you know, you guys need to work through your problems. You guys do your hardest not to get divorced. You know, it shouldn't be an option for you. And I just really respected that those values, again, were the same, whether I was in a straight relationship or a gay relationship. Um and they went all full. She went full mom mode on the wedding. She was helping planning everything. They offered their backyard. They were all there
1: and hours and months of work.
2: Yeah. Another thing is with my grandparents. Uh, My grandparents are very LDS. They had eight children growing up. And um, a week before the wedding, my parents kind of knew that their generation might take it more difficult. more difficult. Um, so they waited longer to tell them, but my, I found out that my dad actually talked to my grandparents and they were at my wedding reception and they, they came and that was a very quick turnaround for them as well.
0: Um, Carson, one of the things that's interesting, and you mentioned you had a good group of guys at Olympus high and Olympus high is our rivalry school. And I know there's a (laughs) lot of, um, good groups over there, sports groups and other groups, but as you came out gay and as you got married, how did your straight, high school, um, friends respond to that?
2: Um, so for a little bit there, I kind of distanced myself from them cause I was kind of worried. Sure. And so, um, and I have a lot of out, very outspoken friends and they all serve missions and are active in the church. Um, but I have just been amazed with how they have responded to this. Um, we had a barbecue, um, as a, a kind of like a reunion because we hadn't seen each other. People had gone their different ways and I ended up bringing Sean. And so that was the first time that my, my straight friends that I had grown up doing sports with, um, had met Sean and how nervous were you? I was so nervous. Barbecue. Yeah. I was so nervous. Cause I knew everyone, uh, it would be like a spectacle. Everyone. It's like the new thing. Lots of them don't n- really know, um, people and growing up, uh, I think there were some gay kids at our school, but, you know, they were just in a different group of friends and like that. And I was just amazed at all the the love and support that they gave to us. They ended up throwing us a wedding shower, coming together, giving us gifts. And um, I know that they had differences. And I remember one of my friends texting me after and said, um, getting to know Sean and you. You know, you guys are both amazing guys. And he said, I would um, date you if I was gay. <laughs> he said, I'd date Sean if I were gay. But That's yeah, funny. It just meant a lot to me.
0: What were some of the best things they said? A text like that? What else could, did they say that just helped you feel at peace? Um, just it just the way they treated
2: you? Yeah, just not treating me any differently. Just the stories, just getting to know Sean like I would their spouse. Um, inviting him to things.
1: They were just so genuinely happy for him also. Yeah. Just so happy for him because they could see how happy he was. And coming home from his mission, he mentioned he was sick and, and things. And so they saw him at these dark times and just how happy he was. They they could really see
0: that. Love that. Yeah. Great job, Olympus High. <laughs> Putting your, your arms around Carson. Talk about your parents, how they navigated this, Sean
1: the, the wedding.
0: Yeah. The wedding. Um, like, did they throw showers? Like if, uh, and, and sometimes kids ask me or parents, ask, should I financially support this wedding the same way I financially support a straight wedding? Or should I, is this different? There's a lot of questions parents go through, even the financial side, the shower side, the reception side, any thoughts you want to share on how your family navigated that?
1: Yeah. I feel like my parents, um, treated me the exact same as they would any of their other children, um, which was huge. Um, so they my family on the Macintosh side, they do a tool shower. Um, and so it's it's invites the male there where for us it was both of us. Um, but they they threw a tool shower and we got all these gifts and there was a celebration of us and it was about a month before we actually got married. And so that that was big and it meant a lot to us that that was able to happen. And his side of the family was invited as well. So his cousins and aunts, and there was easily probably over 60 people at that, um, just from our families, our family members. We both come from big families. His dad has six siblings, or seven, seven. seven. Um, and my, fam- my dad's family is large, five as well. So a lot of kids, a lot of people. Um, and everyone has been nothing but supportive. My, my family helped us with uh, many of the arrangements of the wedding, um, as well as obviously setting it up, taking it down, just so many hours of work and ordering things and making things sure things were, were taken care of. Yeah. Also,
2: um, I was very surprised and very impressed with my parents' friends who are all active LDS. They came to help set up, to help prepare my parents' yard, Um, Lots of the leaders that I had grown up with in the church came together as the award and had collected money and, you know, got a shower gift to give to us. And I, I really appreciated that their, you know, love didn't change just because it was a gay wedding. It was just someone that they knew growing up that they wanted to support in marriage. And they did that. And I thought that was just amazing.
0: What would you say to somebody that says, I can't do that. I can't condone what you're doing. And if if I help fund it or bring a gift or attend, I'm condoning this marriage that's outside the doctrine that I believe in. Any thoughts on that?
1: I would just have that individual think of maybe what their end goal is and, two, whether it's their responsibility or job to, to think or feel that way. I understand that they feel that way, which is, okay. it's okay for them to feel that way. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Christ's, Christ's job, job to judge. And that makes it so much easier for them. They don't need, they don't need to worry about those types of things. Um, one of the greatest commandments is to love. And I, I think one of the greatest ways you can do that is simply by, by loving those around you and you don't have to worry about whether it's in support of Christ's commandments or laws because that's up to Christ. And so I feel like our families did a great job of that. They very well could think very differently and and I know they're as active LDS individuals, they do have different views than us. But what we felt was love, and that's yeah. what we needed to feel. And they still have their same views and we have our ideas and thinkings, but at the end of the day, it didn't do anything except for bring our family closer together and I feel like that's there can't be wrong in having a family be closer together. Yeah. Um,
2: I agree. I think part of the plan of happiness, a huge part of the plan of salvation is free agency and respecting free agency. And, you know, I think parents, I would say, yeah, if you, would you look back and regret that? And also think about, You know, if your child was getting married outside of the church in like a straight couple, would you support that wedding, even though it's not a temple marriage? Would you still support financially? And I think most parents would um, because they want their kid to be happy and they want them to support them making good decisions. Um, And I think marriage is one of the best decisions that you can make um, and starting a family.
0: Great answers. Um, very helpful answers to t- difficult questions. Uh, I love that your parents want your marriage to succeed. Um, that's really clear from both of your families and the type of event they had. And, and I guess some parents would want this marriage to fail. And, um, and, and I, I love, and maybe if it wasn't a healthy marriage or they could see real challenges, but I don't think just because it's the same-sex marriage, we should want it to fail. And I love what your both of your parents have done, that they want you to succeed so that you can become the professional people you want to become and give back to our community in the ways you want to serve and become the parents you want to come become. And um, one parent sort of—I compa- asked this question in a parent group. And I, one mother gave me a really good answer. She said, well, I kind of look at it as like attending an infant baptism. The Book of Mormon isn't very high on infant baptisms, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we go, and we don't feel like attending that family and that infant mm-hmm. baptism and that church service would be selling our doctrine or not that we don't believe in, um, now we believe in infant baptism by attending. We just support that family in that in that sacred moment that they consider very sacred, and Maybe there's some similarities to there, but I've liked that analogy. That's a great example, yeah. Of just saying, okay, you know, we're going to support you too, just like we do, like you said, a, a marriage outside the temple. And I, I actually believe a lot of LDS parents and ward members want to do the right thing, and they just is just a complicated space. They, they wonder, you know, sometimes how their neighbors would feel if they go to a gay wedding or if they like it on Facebook or. Even your own parents, are they going to get judged by their LDS peers in their congregation for supporting you? And their—and the peers might say, well, what about standing up for the truth of our church? And what about teaching our doctrine? And it doesn't seem like you're doing that anymore. And so I hope we don't judge parents as they're supporting their family members in a same-sex marriage. I I've, I've felt some of that. Some parents have said, gosh, this is really hard. Um, not because I don't agree with the teachings of our church or not because I'm not supportive of this marriage. It's just my ward family withdraws from me, and I don't sort of feel their support in a time that I really need their support. Any thoughts on that? And that's kind of having you speak for your parents. <laughs> um, and that's fine.
2: My parents were probably more recently in that position. Uh, I remember when I first came out, um, I mean, his parents have been speaking publicly for a while now, so they were more used to that. But my mom was very much in that situation about being judged by her peers and stuff like that. And I remember her coming up to me and saying, "Some of your uh, friends' parents were talking about it at church about you, you and Sean," and I told them not to. Good and and stuff like that. And for me, I kind of took a step back and I was like, "I." And she thought she was defending me, but. I kind of was like, I think that's fine if they want to talk. It's good too. Yeah. I was like, then I don't have to come out to them and it's not awkward. And I think it's something that does need to be talked about inside the church, you know, so that more people are exposed to it. Um, and so she kind of now took that as a bad thing and she kind of now owns it and is, is more open to talk about it in church. And when this comes up, she, you know, her bravery and courage has grown to the point where she feels more comfortable you know, saying my son is happy mm. in this decision and I support him. And um, I think that's really helpful for other parents um, to kind of be a
1: good example of how to love your your kids no matter what, unconditional love. And my parents went through a similar stage. It was a few years ago, um, but where they, they didn't want to tell anyone, they didn't want anyone to know. Um, and I am so grateful that now they're very public if anyone knows my parents are very vocal because they've seen the need because I feel like especially a few years ago there was so much and I'm sure parents still feel this way where they feel like they're the only one um, they don't know anyone else who's dealing with this and luckily the internet has opened that up a lot Facebook groups and things but so many people just felt like they were the the only ones and because it wasn't a talked about topic they didn't have resources or people to, to talk about things. And so I'm so grateful for my parents who, even in that, I feel like, time period came out almost themselves and saying, hey, we, we have a gay son and this is our situation, um, instead of keeping things quiet because it allowed them to grow. And if you asked my parents, it 10 times grew them closer to me, but not only that, but to their savior, um, they had to rely on him so much more to find answers and just all the people that reach out to, to them, to me who are in similar situations, I feel like has helped helped us grow so much as a family and, and how dynamics works and how Christ's love and gospel works. Um, and so in so many different aspects, it's grown. All of us were so much closer and, and if it had went the other way where It wasn't something that was talked about, I mean, or or something like that. Our relationship would be completely different. Um, And so I'm, I'm truly grateful that the path that we've taken is a path that I feel like is very healthy. And to those parents that are scared of that, trust me in the fact that your child still knows your beliefs your child has been told those beliefs their entire life, every time they've been to church, every time they've heard your spirit testimony, any time. They know how you feel. So please don't think that you telling them you love them or you, you coming to something that's a big day to them makes them forget that, because I promise they know. But what they are learning from that is that you still believe those ways, but you have such faith that you're still able to love them. And I feel like that's a greater message that we can send.
0: That's good. Um, how did families that have kids in the age 10 to 18, did they come to your wedding? And or were you may not know this, were some LDS parents nervous about exposing their kids to a couple in a same-sex wedding that, somehow that normalizes or legitimizes it, and they're worried about their own kids becoming gay. Any thoughts on that? It's kind of a tender subject.
1: So I didn't hear about any of that happening other than actually my, my sister. Um, so my sister, a few weeks before, um, she pulled me aside, and this has kind of been my only sister who's really... Initially, there was a few of my siblings who really struggled with things, but there has been one sister who particular has has really had a hard time with kind of those things that you just mentioned and so she did pull me aside and let me know that um she, her kids weren't going to be coming to the wedding and my initial reaction was I'm kind of I don't know I'm I'm emotional and so I it hurt me like I I, I cried um I sat that we sat there in a park and I'm probably gonna cry right now thinking about it but I under, I understand, like, I'm not here to tell her how to raise her kids. Um, but obviously at the end of the day, I want my family at an important event for me. And so it did hurt me. And so I just, I didn't need to tell her what to do or, or how she needed to act, but I needed to tell her my feelings. And so that's, that's what I did. And her parent, I mean, her kids didn't come to the wedding and that's, that's her choice, um, but I still, I still love her. I still love her kids. Um, but that's just kind of the situation and, and, and that's what happened. Yeah.
0: That's an honest story and I'm glad you communicated any thoughts on that Carson.
2: Um, yeah. So my side of the family was pretty good and we had lots of my cousins, little kids came and, and stuff like that. And it was just fun for them to experience that. I think lots of parents are worried about exposing their kids to certain things. So they kind of shelter them. Um, But the reality is, you know, growing up in the world, once they're older, they're going to experience these things. So I think it's better to um, kind of prepare them and expose them to these these things, because your kid, you know, if he sees a gay wedding they're either gay or they're not you know that's just how you're born it's not something that uh, can be influenced and I I feel like lots of parents almost feel a need to control their kids decisions when we should be preparing them and I think that goes with lots of things you know like pornography and stuff like that like You know, your kid might get exposed to that. And the best thing is to be open and upfront and say, hey, this is what it is. It doesn't bring long term happiness. And just to kind of teach them how to deal with those and navigate it themselves, if that's not what they believe. But I feel for most of my um, little nieces and nephews and cousins that were kids, it was comforting for them to see something different that it was different, but it was still happy. And it was a positive experience, I think, for most of our extended family. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And I mean, I have, I still had 12 nieces and nephews there. His niece was one of the flower. um, no, I forget what that's called flower girl, flower girl. And then we also had my nephew was two of my nephews were the flower boys. So we just kind of tried to mix things up a little bit. And they were supportive and everything and and I also to answer that question if if that were to influence our same-sex attraction Carson and I would both be straight because I had never been to a gay wedding until my own yeah so it's funny (laughs) I I had been to a lot of straight weddings growing up and I never it didn't turn me straight so I hope people (laughs) don't think that that's that's how it works um at the end of the day, I, I hope that people just saw that there was two people in love and they wanted to spend their life together.
0: It's a good conversation. I like having this conversation because it's complex and you are you show empathy for your sister making that decision and it's hurtful. So you honor that pain, which I think is right. And you honor her decision to do that the way she does. And um, But we're talking about it and we're trying to talk about principles that apply so we can make more informed, educated decisions, which is what... We're trying to do with a podcast like this. I do agree that as a parent, I like having complicated conversations with my kids at home. So I don't, you know, sometimes I worry that we want to shelter our kids. So when there's an LGBTQ club in high school, Um, to me that's not a problem because I think it just potentially creates a conversation Mm -hmm. that I can have with my kid and um, about you know this space, and I can do it as a parent. And sort of navigate that, just like you talked about, Carson. Um, one of the things I notice in straight relationships as well as gay relationships sometimes is just it's not a healthy relationship, and I don't have it and so when I see this, back to my wife, say Bishop Days, when I see um, a straight couple, sometimes this is sort of like marriage one-on-one. I like <laughs> to see relationships where neither party feels like they have to be perfect, but it's not a rescue relationship where one is clearly rescuing the other and trying to be that person's savior. It's a relationship, yeah. You kind of bring your boat broken pieces together, and those broken pieces help you be whole. But it's not where um, either. It's where you're better off. So in your case, Carson, because Sean's in your life, it's more likely you're going to be a medical doctor, and it's more likely your career is going to be reality. And your career is a social. If you want to go into social work where your graduate work is more like a reality and you're able to talk and grow. And, and so sometimes I see, I, I don't know if I see this more in the few gay relationships I know or the straight relationship, but sometimes I see, and I'm going to sometimes I see a situation, perhaps it's a vulnerable gay person who just needs acceptance and love. And it's the first person that sort of validated how they feel. And sometimes those relationships are not very good and they're kind of one-sided, and that person may be very vulnerable being taken advantage of in a number of ways. And so any just advice you'd give to people to make thoughtful decisions as they're dating?
1: Yeah, um, I think that kind of ties into what I mentioned earlier about the relationships and having healthy relationships outside of dating. Um, Because if you don't, I feel like you'll cling on to things that, aren't necessarily good and healthy for you. Um, Do did, did you want to add something?
2: Um, yeah, I would just say my motto in growing up has always been, you know, first and foremost, work on yourself. Develop all the attributes that you would want in a partner and then find someone who values those. Um, and also kind of we talked about setting your standards of what you Will accept in a relationship the love you kind of deserve. Um, like you were talking about, I feel like lots of people get in desperate situations where they accept things that might aren't the best for for themselves, and that's where they get in a sticky situation because they don't know their own worth.
1: Yeah, you need to have your own standards and and kind of morals and what you is okay with you and what you want. Um, because if you don't, you can yeah you can get yourself in situations where you're you're you think you're finding happiness but at the end of the day you've left behind the things that you need Um, and so it's important to to make sure you're you're seeking after the things that are healthy and and going to make you happy
0: this is really good advice about being your very best personal best as you're looking for a life partner you don't need to be perfect yeah I think some YSAs I would see felt like they just need to be their very perfect self and have every issue solved and sort of be you know 100% there and I've always felt like no don't wait till you're 100% there that's part of the dating process is to become I I think of a I don't know if this is a good analogy maybe this is bad we'll say it and then we'll decide (laughs) I remember a few um, people in a really emotional lousy spots Um, these in this case it was two sisters who became sexually active and I As the more I listened to them, I realized this wasn't about being sexually active. It was just the only way they knew how to feel loved, Mm -hmm. because their emotional gas—they just their self-worth and their emotional gas tank was so low. So I think that probably applies in any relationship. I'd just be really cautious about becoming sexually active. I would, you know, I'd invite everybody to live the law of chastity, but I particularly invite people that are really vulnerable, whether that's emotionally or or whatever reason that some people may come into your life and want to take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, And so you've just got to be really cautious as you make your way forward. Um, Is that okay? Any, or any thoughts to add on that?
1: No, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of endorphins and things that are mixed into when things become sexual and you can almost feel like you're in love ahead of things that are actually really happening. And so I think it is good to make sure your mental health and, and things are in, Check in an order um, before you're indulging in in things like that to to make sure it is a healthy and happy relationship.
0: Yeah, I know my wife and I. It's kind of you know we became really good friends. Our our relationship was it you know wasn't based just on physical connection and the hormones that were flying. It was just based on friendship Mm -hmm. um, and the trust and the communication, the common goals, and that. That kind of helped us fall in love in some ways. Just that experience, and there seemed to be some parallels with your experience.
2: Yeah, definitely. for sure. I think also my, you know, coming into this dating world, not wanting, not having these expectations that I'm going to date anyone, and just kind of being friends with everyone, I think was very helpful I for me, it, Carson. And um, you know, like you were talking about, I feel like. Um, Becoming sexually active, I feel like lots of people don't have this long term perspective of what's really going to make you happy. I feel like there are short term decisions that may, you know, make you happy for a little bit, but they're honestly, you know, the best thing about Sean and I's relationship is just that support that we give each other, that he makes me want to be a better person. Um, And those are, things that you build with someone over time and that you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life um, versus a short-term happiness.
0: One of the things I've trained my mind to do, and I invite our listeners, if you need to do this, I don't look at a, I don't look at people and sort of wonder um, if what's going on in the private parts of their lives, straight mm-hmm. couples, gay couples, people that are dating. You know, I just learned not to go there. It's really just not how I should see people and wonder. Um, so I don't see you know that's just the way I think we can all mature is just not to go down that road um, that's really none of our business I want to talk ask this question um are you uh, are you glad you served a mission because here you are you know you're you're not able to fully participate in the church so you've but you've served this mission are you if you did it all over again knowing you're in a same-sex marriage I mean if I could have played this podcast to you at age 17. <laughs> Um, and you'd realize where you were, would you still have served a mission? So
1: for me, my my mission was huge of who I am today. I mean, it taught me so many different Christ-like attributes, and not only that, but independence, um, financial awareness, how to budget, um, how to live with someone 24-7 um, who's very different than you um, a lot of times, and just so many different things. And, and not only that, but just... It's two years of just giving to other people, and so I even taking the the belief out of it. Um, it was huge for me, um, but I mean, even so many of those principles and things are, are still so much a part of my life and relationships and friends that I've made and pe- converts that were baptized and and things like that. Um, these people that I I love. Um I I am happy that I went on a mission definitely.
0: Carson
2: 100% I loved my mission. Um and I kind of joke with Sean sometimes I wish that we could be serve as a mission president or go on a <laughs> mission um because I just love the atmosphere of young people helping families. I think there are universal principles that go across all religions that um could help all of humanity. And so I very much value all the things that I learned personally and um also that I gave to other people, you know, helping people in tough situations that were in poverty or maybe had a problem with alcohol. Um, you know, they didn't have the faith that to see that they could change or that their life could get better. And um believe that they could change. So I feel like all those things are universal.
0: What would you say if a young man or young woman's listening, that's pre-mission age, that that says, I probably feel like I'm going to end up in a same sex relationship after my mission. Is it, can I still serve a mission if I feel good about it? Or is that sort of like turning my back on my covenants or am I worse off with God? Because I've gone to the temple and made covenants, and then I won't be able to keep those covenants if I go into same-sex marriage. That's kind of a complicated question. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I would probably say that you shouldn't necessarily make covenants if you're already kind of planning on not keeping them. Um, But I would also just say to pray about things, and I wouldn't be able to answer that question of whether you should go, because I get those messages all the time. Of whether they should go or whether they shouldn't, or whether they should come out and whether they shouldn't—it's kind of the same things. It—it's—it's it's all up to you and your relationship with your heavenly Father and what's best for you, mm-hmm. um, because no one can really answer that question for you, um, because it's a very individual type question, and, and it's between you and Heavenly Father.
2: For sure. Um, yeah, I agree with that. It's very personal decision. But I also believe that spirituality is uh, separate than your sexuality. And I think gay or straight, you can still live the standards of a mission, you know, and still gain that spirituality, being on your own, living in a different place, getting along with different people, helping other people, the service, the community, and getting those aspects in your life will be better, you know, regardless if you come back and you want to have a same-sex marriage. I think. Both of us, Sean and I, are better people because we served a mission. So I would recommend it to anyone, everyone.
0: Great answers. I would assume I can't ask you a question you haven't been asked before uh. <laughs> I'm on this road. And I'm not trying to, but I just I recognize as you answer these questions, it's a important principle for all of us that you've thought through all these things and you've been asked these questions. You've been thinking about so if I said, you know, you ought to think about this, my guess is you've thought about that. How do you feel about those that are celibate and staying in the church or those that are in mixed orientation marriages? Do you feel, do you feel that's a, an authentic path or do you feel like you're able to follow your path?
1: I mean, I feel like an authentic path is whatever is authentic to that individual.
0: And so if that... that's a great answer, Sean, <laughs> we should just replay that.
1: <laughs> And so, yeah, if these people are being authentic to themselves and staying in the church, then that I fully support them. If, if they want to be in a mixed orientation marriage, then I fully support that individual. And I would just say we should fully support any individual who's doing the best that they can for themselves. Um, and it's not us up to us to decide what's what's best for other people. Um, and I know there's there's people in those situations who are happy. Um, and so it's it's and then there's people who sometimes they are and then their situation changes and there's people who are in our situation and the situation changes and so it's not up us or up to us to decide when that changes or if it changes or how that changes. It's just up to us to support people in whatever they're doing that's best for them in that at that time period. And so I I would I would help those people.
0: Do people you know, sometimes take a story and say, this is what you ought to do. They'll, oh, all the time. Um, tell us if that's helpful or not helpful. Yeah, I,
1: it's certainly not helpful to to mention, well, I have a, a gay friend who, who's married to a woman. And they're very happy um, or it, it's... I have a gay friend and, and he's a Republican or or things like that. You can't just take one person and use it as an example for the community. You can't do that for anything, not even just those two things. It's just not a good idea to categorize everyone because we're all so individual and just because we have the same sexuality um, certainly doesn't make us the same people and, and our circumstances are so different.
2: For sure. I also think it parallels with parenting too you know lots of parents grew up a specific way and their kids grow up a different way and lots of parents feel the need to tell their kids how to live and what decisions to make and i think the best approach is asking them what's best for their life what will bring them long-term happiness and so i think for some people that may the the best you know thing for them is to live a mixed orientation marriage um, I think they have their place in the world and it can help other people. And I think us two living a same-sex marriage um, has our place in the world. And so I think it very it is very much individual and not between you and Heavenly Father.
0: That's mm-hmm. pretty thoughtful answers. Um, very helpful because I, I never realized that could happen. Then people would tell me that would happen. I know that's one of Tom Christopherson's concerns about writing his book is that people would Sort of say, this is the way you do it. You do it like Tom. Um, You end your relationship and live a celibate life. And that's just Tom's story. And I Mm -hmm. think you're honoring that, supporting that. Um, But we don't, sometimes people use weaponizes where we take someone's story and kind of weaponize it. That's kind of a tough term. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe there's a term that's slightly less, I think of ISIS again, bombing my house. (laughs) Um, I had another question that came in. I hope I wrote it down. I was, I just wrote down the word pain. Every LGBTQ person I've talked to that's LDS or former LDS feels pain. Those that are celibate and active in the church and those that are in mixed orientation marriages and those that have stepped away, there's just, there's just pain that comes into their life. (laughs) Um, and we could do a podcast on all the pain and I certainly could do, you know, recognize that there could be a lot of pain in both of your lives or maybe not, but the question is sort of, I'm acknowledging the pain without sort of going into it, but what, what have you done to overcome the pain that you feel from the institutional church and the things that have been said or the fact there's not a place for you? Because this is sort of being ther- you being therapist to other people that feel pain, maybe even straight listeners that feel pain at times from our church. And I can sustain and support our church and recognize it can generate pain in its members. That doesn't, it's just reality of an, of a church that's working to become the very best church it comes. Any thoughts on that question?
1: Yeah, um, there's certainly been things that have been said at church or, or spoken that have caused me pain. And I guess it depends on who it's coming from, but I need to categorize it as, one i need to try to put myself in their shoes were they saying this to try to cause pain or were they saying it out of ignorance and i feel like most of the time they're they actually think that they're saying something loving um but it's actually quite hurtful but that does change the way that it comes into my head because I think there's a very large difference between intentional pain and someone who is trying to love you the best way that they can. So I need to categorize that that way. And then two, when something is hurtful, I need to realize that I can go to my heavenly father and ask for confirmation of something of whether that is true or, and still be able to feel that love and that happiness that I need to feel. Um, And so by being able to categorize things that way, I feel like I'm able to still remain in a healthy mindset and space Um, because there's certainly been times where I've heard talks or or things where I've left and I'm just in pain. I'm just shattered. Um, But I feel like when I'm able to do that, Heavenly Father is able to kind of put it back together and help me to to feel that I'm still loved and still of importance and that. Um, we're all trying to do the best that we can.
0: Great answer. Do you talk to people now? You have a husband, but uh-huh. before you're married, did you talk to people about your pain? Um I and was that healing, or did you just keep it inside and somehow get over it? So there was a long time when I kept it inside. I didn't come out
1: until my late or middle twenties. Um, and so for that whole time, whenever something that was hurtful or anything was said, I obviously didn't have anyone to talk to about it. So that made it much more difficult. Um, so I would definitely say it's, it's a lot better when you can vent and, and talk to someone about it. And you don't need to talk necessarily negative or things, but just letting, kind of like my situation with my sister, just honest, um, letting them know how you felt. Um, without necessarily being like, I'm mad at you and this is why, and you need to change. It's, this is what you said, and this is how it made me feel. And I try to do that. And I try to challenge other people to do that because it's hard for people to get mad at you for your feelings. It, it's easy for people to get mad at you for you telling them what to do, but that's not up to us, but you can tell them how, what their, their actions made you feel
0: great answer.
1: Um yeah, I
2: I agree with that, you know, being on both sides of the spectrum, you know, Sean and I I think are really good at seeing things from other points of views. Um so like with his sister, we're able to respect her decision of why she may wanted she felt like that was best for her family without getting mad about it and so I think you know, when you go to church and you see someone that's living a different life with you than you are, I think it's important to A, B understanding. Um, and Sean's dad has this really great, great quote that I love. That's, you know, only worry about things that are in your boat. If it's outside of your boat, if it's an ocean where there are waves, don't worry about it because you can't control it, you know? So other people's decisions don't have to affect yours, you know? So if you go to church and you see someone with a tattoo, don't be afraid to talk to them and think that you're going to get a tattoo just by talking to them Um, because, you know, you can learn a lot from people's differences and where they came from and why they made the decisions they did without having to take on those on yourself.
0: Um, sometimes I forget you guys are in your 20s or early 30s because I don't have any research on this, but a lot of the LDS LGBTQ people I met have just better skills, um, communication skills, and sort of um, skills to manage difficult feelings that have come into their life and complicated spaces. So it's a, it's a maturity that sometimes I don't see in men and women your age because you just had the go deep and sometimes your relationship then with heavenly father is deeper because you've had to rely on heavenly father and the power of the atonement to heal you and and help you move forward um pain's a really interesting thing for me at first as even as a singles word bishop when people would talk about pain even church generated pain i it was really com- uncomfortable to sort of validate that i felt like my job was to dismiss that pain or sort of take the side of the church and say well that you took that wrong or this isn't really how it meant. And certainly that could be true. And I don't want to, but I did, I realized that I could just validate their pain, even if I didn't feel their pain or felt differently, that didn't cost me anything. It didn't cost me the teachings of our church or I wasn't selling out my doctrine. It's about what kind of, you said, Sean, I could just honor how people felt. Mm -hmm. And I felt I could heal people without any special formula a lot of the times by just hearing how they felt and honoring that pain and kind of holding that pain. And then if someone can kind of hold your pain often, and I'm you're a social worker, so you know more about this than I do, Sean. Often that's in some cases, that's all someone needed just to be able to move on.
1: Yeah. That, what you just mentioned is huge for them. You don't need to feel those pain, that pain, but you can empathize that they do um, and that it's real. And so for them that, that means a lot for sure.
0: Um, we're at the, we're at the end of the podcast. I've gone through all the questions that have come to my mind. Um, but I just love to, you know, just have closing comments or any other things you'd like to share. Um, Caden or Carson? Carson. How many times have I called you Caden? This uh, podcast? I'm not sure. Well, I hope I haven't. No, uh, you,
1: you did say Caden one other time. One other all time, right. So that's, that's my fine. second Caden. <laughs> Three said, strikes and you're you've out. you said Carson many times.
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right, Carson. Um, My hope is just that from this podcast that people will be willing to understand just how diverse this world is and open themselves up to new experiences and understanding that just because someone lives a different life than you do doesn't make it wrong. It's just different. Um, so I hope that, you know, parents and kids will learn to, see things from different points of views and that this will bring families closer and they'll be able to talk about these things, navigate and understand that and bring that in their life as a tool to help
0: other people. Thank you, Carson. Sean. Yeah, kind of along
1: those same lines, I guess it depends on our audience, but to parents, I would hope that um, they would kind of think of their end goal if if their child were to come out to them um, and and kind of Standing up for righteousness is probably the way that they're seeing it, um, but challenge them to know that their their child knows their beliefs. Um, They do. And so just challenging that parent to let their their kid know how much they love them um, is huge. Because the end goal, if you're pushing your kid away by trying to teach them a lesson, by feeling like you need to stand up to it, your your kid's not going to come to you anymore. Or he's not going to be welcome to dinners anymore. And that's that's just gonna push the family apart. And I think at the end of the day, joining the family together is gonna to be healthier because then you still can have these conversations. He still can see your relationship with God. He still can see the blessings in your life. And if you if things had gone the other way, then those situations wouldn't be happening. And how I ended my other podcast too is I'd end this one as well. If you're listening to this and you're going through a hard time and you need someone to talk to, please message me on Facebook or reach out to me. I certainly don't want anyone going through hard or difficult times, especially feelings of suicide. Please reach out and, and get help. And it doesn't need to be from me, but from anyone. But if you don't feel like you have anyone, please contact me, and I'd be happy to listen and to talk.
0: Can you spell your first name and your last name for um, those that want to find you on
1: Facebook? It's X-I-A-N, and then Macintosh, M-A-C-K-I-N-T-O-S-H.
0: Okay. Um, I appreciate you doing that. You've got this both of you have this unofficial ministry where you're just helping. You've helped me as I watch your video, Sean. This podcast, both of you, Carson and Sean, has helped me better understand your road and and how we can all see ourselves the same human family. I I sometimes go to the forty thousand foot level of our doctrine where we're all in the pre existence together. You are my spiritual brothers. You've you ch- made the same choice I made to come here you you fought you know for this plan and here you're here. And, and so I just see you as, you know, I sometimes say my straight marriage can stand on its own merits. I don't need to sort of take down your marriage to somehow prop mine up. I recognize your marriage is outside of our doctrine. I've said that 12 times on the podcast, but I just, it's not outside of the human family. And I love the family examples and I love they want your marriage to succeed. And so you can go forward and, and do the things you want to do that are going to make our society better. So um, great insights. Thanks for both of you having the courage to be on this podcast. And on behalf of our listeners, we thank you, Carson and Sean, for being on this podcast. And this is your host, Richard Osler, signing off on another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love.